The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa is for educational purposes only and is not intended to provide a physician-patient relationship, give diagnoses, prescribe treatment, or do psychotherapy. Please contact your healthcare provider to obtain treatment. Discover your body's natural ability to heal. Welcome to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. Hello, hello, hello. It's the day after the election, and there's a lot of stuff going on that's very peculiar. I usually do a live Facebook Live before this show. No can do. Lost my internet. And this show is broke about the broken heart syndrome. Can't we just all love each other? Can't understand. So I'm a little frazzled. I was able to get my internet. If we lose this show, we'll just do another one. But suffice it to say, if you suffer from shortness of breath, heart problems, heartache, nausea, and after some financial loss, some loss, feeling that something was owed to you and it was taken away, have you felt dizzy, restless, irritable, argumentative after a loved one, you had an argument with them, you felt you in an abusive situation, public humiliation? If you've ever felt that you had a breakup and some kind of heartbreak, chest pain, after a problem, a blow up at work, a dust up with a friend, or some other issue. Today's word day was going to discuss broken heart syndrome. In today's world, it's very common to have people run to the emergency room, think they're having a heart attack. A lot of women, they're told, you know what, listen, you're just a nervous thing. Calm down, calm down already. There's nothing wrong with you. Only to find out, you know, you have a little heart attack. No one knows. Today's show is going to change your life because it's going to teach you how to use mind, body, and medical intuition to figure out how to have a healthy heart. We've all heard of the term broken heart, but did you know it was a real thing? Mayo Clinic and other people have described how the broken heart syndrome is what they say at least, a temporary heart condition, often brought out by stressful situations, extreme emotions. And I'm going to explain to you how the reality of a broken heart, we all have in little bits, but we don't just get broken hearts, we get broken guts, we get broken immune system, we get broken brains. Parts of us snap, the old fashioned, they just snapped, you know what, just snaps. When that happened, where do you snap? 
It's the area of your brain and body that's susceptible to stress. Mine's my brain. Look down below your neck and look and say, you know, when I snap, that area just completely snaps. Do you, are you on your last nerve? Do you feel it in your gut? Does your abdomen blow up, distend? Where do you have shock? S-H-O-C-K. Apparently, it's my computer today, my wireless, because every night when I'm about to get worn out, I go upstairs, get all ready to watch Netflix, only to have my wireless rotor just stop, freeze. It's like that's the area that I have heartache down. Apparently, my router, my wireless router, it's like a neurological system, responds to the epinephrine stress hormone and cortisol, adrenal gland stress hormone of my day. We can look around our house and something around us also snaps. Whether it's the lights, the plumbing, what in your house breaks down? It's a metaphor for what breaks down in your body. What's that thing in you that breaks down in stress? Now when you go to your doctor, they go, are you suffering from stress in your life? Anybody who says no, they're either a numb or in denial. So in this show, it's about the heart. But I want you to remember that it's anybody, anybody that's had stress. And sometimes it gets visited in the heart and it can go to somewhere else. Today, we're talking about the heart. The heart is connected to the right brain. And the right brain is for strong emotional mental. Uh, strong emotions, strong fear or anger. It's anatomy of a broken heart. They, it's called Takatsubu cardiomyopathy. And you want to know what Japanese Takatsubu means? It means octopus. You're like, what in the name of God's creation is octopus? Well, it's, called, it's written that way because the Japanese notice that the heart of these people, yes, heart, there's an R in there, because I'm from Rhode Island, we don't have hearts. We don't have hearts. We don't have R's. An octopus is swollen, just like the left side of the heart of these people who suffer. Because under the influence of stress, the left side of the heart, the muscle doesn't pump correctly. It swells out, balloons out. It looks just like a Japanese octopus trap. And when I read that, I thought that there is a metaphor, a symbol for octopus. An octopus is a kind of metaphor for being overwhelmed with emotion. Each one of those hands is carrying something. An octopus or octopi, whatever you say it, live in water. Water is a symbol of emotion. And when we get emotionally overwhelmed, meaning we can't handle all those emotions, we can't handle all those emotions, we feel overwhelmed, swamped, like in the deep end. And so it doesn't surprise me that people, when they're overwhelmed, in shock, stressed by some event, their right brain feels this enormous amount of surge of emotion. And that brings it down to the brainstem and the adrenal gland. And you get the surge of a charge, whether it's electrical current that, well, fries my router, router, or fries your brain and neurological system to your heart in the form of rhythm issues, epinephrine, 
from your adrenal gland, norepinephrine from your brain, a stimulant like drinking a lot of coffee. But also, your adrenal gland releases cortisol. And they notice that those two stress hormones make the left ventricle, the left side of your heart, not work correctly. So they found that people who are in domestic violence, have an attack of asthma, have had a sudden, someone's told them bad news, had an automobile accident, accident, some fierce argument with a loved one, some sudden shock about money, or sudden surprise, even a surprise party, surprise! <laughs> Somehow your brain and your body dump these neurotransmitters and it's like getting, well, tasered, quite frankly. And so you need to see that somehow it shocks your heart and that whole surge of neurotransmitters affects the left muscle. It usually occurs more in women it's usually a midlife perimenopausal. It doesn't surprise me because during that time we have less censoring of emotion. Our frontal lobes don't censor as much emotion and we lose some of our hormones. So we, we have less estrogen and progesterone to medicate or insulate our brains from emotions. Only 5% of these people who have this episode go on to have a heart attack. And majority of people don't have any injury. How do they get you back to normal? They give you beta blockers to fix, you know, calm you down. They might give you diuretics if you're going into heart failure. And they give you an aspirin if you have some art artery irregularities. They may help you, give you skills to handle the stress in your life. But within four weeks to two months, you alleviate. Well, actually, I know something about this, only in the sense that there are a lot of people who have something that happens in their life and all of a sudden, bam, it causes them to either come out with psoriasis, have an attack of an ulcer, come down with that rheumatoid arthritis they have or lupus or alopecia, they lose hair. What is your area for heartache and heartbreak? What is the area in you that snaps? And for me, it was falling asleep. I'm narcoleptic. Any sudden shock, boom, I'd fall asleep. But it wasn't just bad news. It was good news. If someone told me an unbelievable amount of good news, all of a sudden, I'd pay for it. I'd fall asleep. It was a surge of epinephrine. It just made me fall asleep. And in fact, now I even know it. If I laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh, I have enough time to tell the person, I'm going to pay for this. I'm going to fall asleep. And one of the ways that narcoleptics figure out a way of staying awake is they learn how to control their emotions, i.e. control the surge of neurotransmitters from their brain so that it doesn't change the hypothalamus for sleep. One of the ways in which you can help buffer whatever organ in your body snaps or gets broken, in the case of broken heart syndrome, it would be what they call mindfulness training, learning how to change your brain chemistry. My form of mindfulness training that helped me stay awake longer was DBT. Dialectical behavioral therapy teaches you how to take right brain emotion, the area for sudden fear, anger, 
Bring it to your left brain, observe it, describe it, allow it, but not judge it. It teaches you a way, it's based on Thich Nhat Hanh, to watch the emotions go through you and over you like water rolling down a duck's back. It makes you observe it without judgment. You don't push it away because if you try to push it away, you're releasing epinephrine. You observe it, you describe it, you take a breath in, you take a breath out, and you just watch it like a wave. And you realize your feet are safe and strong on the ground. And you just watch that emotion go through. Take a breath in, you take a breath out, you feel your you feel your feet strongly on the ground. You don't avoid it. You don't push it away. And it's an exercise. You have to work with it. And I taught myself that it was a chemical. And I learned not to get to swim in it. I learned that there were certain movies that I watched that I would get drawn into the emotion and it would escalate. And so I learned how to fall asleep and have sleep attacks less. They teach people how to do this as well. If you have problems with panic, anxiety, the area in the right brain, the amygdala, can, whether it's panic, anger, or deep sadness, can, when provoked, elicit this response. So you can learn how to manage that with mindfulness. Some people learn to avoid what brings on the symptom. And though that may be a short-term remedy, in the end, you end up having being crippled in a way because your life gets more and more avoiding things that you think are going to elicit it that you could even get agoraphobic. So they teach you how to, with, with support, to approach, don't avoid what can elicit it, and use that wise mind but also learn a variety of techniques, open your eyes, open your ears, take an information around you and watch the emotion wave through you of your body reaction, keeping your posture confident and your tone and allowing yourself to watch your body chemistry respond, knowing that you're strong and capable. They've taught it for years. It kept me awake. And I used to be falling in and out of sleep 17 hours a day. So it worked for me. This is a way that can be very, very effective. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and we're talking about a broken heart. If you want to know more about the solution to today's show, you want to go to my Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa, Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa 1, or Twitter, Dr. Mona Lisa 2. But understand if you have any, any symptoms in your heart, your head, nausea, or any sense you're having any kind of extreme physical problem, go right to the emergency room, back away from the radio, the podcast, or whatever you're listening to, and go right to the emergency room because this is nothing to fool around with. You have to find out what it is. To quote Dr. Phil, you can't name it if you can't fix it. I can't sound like a Southern guy like Dr. Phil, but you get the technique. We got, we're doing many readings today. You can If we're taking your calls at 816 251-3555 within the U.S. and Canada. But remember, UnityOnlineRadio.org is live, live every Wednesday, 4 p.m. Central, 
5 p.m. Eastern. You can get the show on your favorite podcast provider, as well as join the live show with a question every Wednesday, 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to go to line one. Ami 40. I'm Dr. Melissa. How can I be of help? Hi. Am I on? Yes, you're on. Unless uh, I'm, I'm hallucinating or having a delusional state. How can I be of help? Well, so I was married for about 10 years. Uh, to Don't my say elementary. anything. Don't. Wait a minute. Wait okay. a minute. Is it Amy or me? It's Amy. Okay. Amy, what I see is a relationship in the past. I see someone in your life who's very different from someone in your life now. I see someone in the past where the spark went out. I see you set aside a lot in your life to focus on this relationship. You focused, focused, focused on them, and you tended to ignore the bad side of them. However, that wasn't really helpful because it ended up nipping you in the bud. In this relationship, you were trying to have a partnership with them and the third person interfered. I see that in some ways, since that time, you put a cocoon of protection around you because you don't want to get hurt again. But I actually see a presence of someone around you you could have a great relationship with, but your past incident in this past relationships makes it hard for you to have see and respond to someone good for you. Amy, who do you live with now? Gosh, I just, I had to resort to moving back in with my parents. What happened in your past relationship? Uh, well, you're right. I, I gave it my all. Um, he was abusive, unhappy person. I okay. I, wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. Don't use the word. Wait a minute. Don't use the word abusive. Okay. You can say anybody's abusive. It's give me an example. Uh, oh well, he he was physic. He he had a hitting problem. He had a hitting problem. Hitting yes, he had a hitting a problem. problem. Um, let me ask you a question. Did you see that sure. problem with his hitting early in the relationship? Looking back, yes. But you put a blind eye to it. It, it. Yeah. It's like people who go down the highway and they put a, a, a blind eye to the speed limits. It, it wasn't something that I had dealt with while we were dating, but once we no, were no, married. No, 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 no. My point is, is there must have been a few things that showed you where you were going out with him that showed you he had a hair-trigger temper that made you think that that would never happen to you, but it happened to other people. Surely, yeah. once you got married, he didn't have a brain transplant. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Right. So give me an example of when you were going out that you noticed he had a hair-trigger temper, but you thought, oh, he'll never do that with me. Um, <clears throat> the reason why I see this is because 
The relationship cataract, it means a clogged lens in your eye. That's what a cataract is. The relationship cataract you have now will continue to clog your vision in relationships in the future. Do you see that? Okay. Who did he hurt or abuse or have a trigger temper with while you were going out? Um, I, I don't know, I, but he, get he, he just hung. Did he ever get arrested? No, not while we were dating. I, when I finally called the cops on him, we were married, he did. Okay. Usually it's not the first time. Usually they don't start hitting all of a sudden. They've practiced. <laughs> Right. I, well, I think he got a lot of practice on me. So we we were like, I no, started dating. He had when practice I was 15, beforehand. So. I, I they had a practice beforehand. It was in the home, most likely. No, no, he had practice with other relationships in the past. It's a pattern of behavior. Otherwise, you think that there was something you may have done, or something about your relationship that elicited. You live with your parents okay. now. How long have you lived with them? Um, for a few months. I look at your head. I see problems with dizziness, vertigo, and imbalance feeling in your head. I look at your neck. I look at your thyroid. I look at your heart. I wonder at times whether your heart skips a beat or adds a beat. I look at your left lung, right lung, left breast, right breast, esophagus, stomach, liver, gallbladder, colon, and rectal areas. This has happened to you before. What has happened? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I see oh. an issue at times where you feel like you have a lump in your throat. It's hard to swallow. I look at your esophagus, stomach, liver, gallbladder, colon, and rectal areas. At times, I see an upset feeling in your stomach. I can't figure out if it's a nausea, a problem with your appetite. I see a capacity for abdominal distension, bloating. I look at, see fatigue, dragginess, melancholy, sadness, problems with initiation, motivation. I wonder if you have problems with focus, Attention, distractibility at work, problems with initiation, motivation. I wonder in the past whether you've hit your head and lost consciousness. Can you please tell me your health concerns? Well, you've been very accurate. Um, you know, mostly I, it's just I keep gaining weight. Let's go from the top down. Have you ever hit your head and lost consciousness? Um, probably for a few seconds, yeah. Yeah, I've when had a lot that, of bumps did, on the head. Bumps in the head. When did that happen last? Uh, uh, probably around when I, uh, when I 
got got a divorce, I hit my head on the tile in the kitchen on the side of the bar. Was that in a fight? Yeah. Did you trip or were you pushed? I was pushed. Okay. So you understand how you describe that. You could have been A, doing some woodworking on the kitchen cabinets and you hit your, you slipped right. and hit your head. B, you leaned down to pick up a fork that you dropped in the kitchen. Or C, you were pushed, fell back, and hit your head against the counter. I'd go for C, at which time it wasn't an accident. It wasn't part of work on the job. It was a part of assault and battery. Are you following me? Yes, absolutely. And that wasn't the first time that that happened. <clears throat> Go ahead and clear your throat. So, <laughs> yes, it, you're absolutely right. That's why I'm not married anymore. I understand that. The problem is the work of um, the University of Arizona Barrows Neurological Institute talks about women who've had abuse. It doesn't just cause what they think is Takayabu cardiomyopathy and PTSD, but it also increases their chance toward problems with concussion and mild brain issues. Are you following me? Yes. And so you really need to go and get help with problems with dizziness, vertigo, focus, attention, and fatigue. Beyond the issue of what you think is just heartbreak of the relationship, I think you may or may not know some of the physical symptoms of being injured in this relationship. Do you understand? Yes. Did he shake you? No, there was just unexpected, like I it would just be really unexpected to be like punched or like I just had kind of freak moments where I wasn't expecting example? it. And Can you give me, a, yeah, I know that's usually the case. They don't say, I'm warning you right now. I'm trying to give you and make you laugh, but it's sad. I'm warning you right now. I'm about to punch you. So brace yourself <laughs> or you might want to duck because <laughs> this one's going to be a good one. In fact, that's what Jackie Gleason used to say on the honeymooners. Alice, you do that one more time. Bang, right to the, um, do you understand? They used to give him a warning. But that's not what they, he did. He wasn't quite in that regard. I know, that was considered comedy back then, so they don't put that on the TV anymore. They consider it not helpful. So he was actually worse. He wouldn't give you a warning and shot over the bow, right? Are you following me? Right. So yes. it didn't give you enough warning to actually duck. And that means that you weren't a trained boxer to be able to see the, the fist coming through and to duck. I'm making light of what's an awful situation. Well, the, yeah. Well, why kind of I did hit my head was because I had to. I, I had I had just braced from a first push, and I had my arms on the cutting board. So I think you understand what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Do you have children? Yes. That's worse. How old are the kids? How old are they now, or how were old were they then? How old were they then? Uh, seven, four, and three. 
and they heard all of this? Uh, my younger two were home. I want they want you to hold on, okay? We're going to go to break. You know what that means? Okay. Um, there's the music. When we go to break, come back. Um, we're going to talk about the solutions to the broken heart syndrome. You're listening to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. Welcome back. You've been listening to the Broken Heart Syndrome. And we've learned that there are many different symptoms that we can get with broken heart. We can get nausea. We can get pain in our chest. We can have shortness of breath. We can get muscle tension. Sometimes you have a negative EEG. Sometimes you have mild irregularities. You can have even mild cardiac enzymes, but they're short-lived. They're not like a normal heart attack. They're not even really a heart attack at all. I told you the treatments, but the solution is to understand how stress, extreme momentary stress, can go into your brain and body. We're going to go back to Amy. Are you there, Amy? Yes, hello. Amy, you got to go see a neurologist. Okay. And tell them about the blows you've had to your head, period, end of story. Do you understand? Yes. And you might have to get um, some kind of neuropsychological evaluation for memory and also for um, anxiety and trauma. Do you get it? Yes, And you may have to um, talk to them about the impact that it may have had on your kids if they witnessed it. Do you get it? Okay. And they may teach you some skills like DBT and to help you so that you don't attract this kind of person again and you'll learn interpersonal effectiveness skills. Okay. It's been a long time. Yeah. I know it doesn't matter. Do those kids, are they, is that man their father? Yes. That's the reason. Because those kids, half of their genes are their father. And so they may have some personality problems with impulsivity and violence. Is that true? Uh, my my youngest one has now you get more aggressive the, behavior. So the problems that you had with your ex-husband may have problems with him, this kid. And you're going to have a harder time limiting him because you love him. You don't need to love his father anymore, but you love your son. And people like you have a hard time being assertive with someone that they love. Do you understand? Right. So you're going to need skills, and DBT is going to help you do that. But until then, you're really going to have to have some help with your head because you've gotten a lot of blows. Okay? I think you don't. Okay. You can tell when someone's had that they don't even realize it until you go in. You say, well, you know, I was, I know I did get hit because I was, because it was because I fell because of the cutting board. I mean, it got even worse. I just kind of stopped it after it got worse. Okay. Good luck. You take it easy. Okay. Thank you for calling. 
We'll go to Tracy, line two. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa. How can I be of help? Um, I was married to a narcissist for 25 years, and I was betrayed by him, and I've been trying to get over it, and I've been trying to divorce him for like the last two years. Tracy, you're 55. Is that correct? Yes. First thing I see is you're very smart. Thank you. No, don't thank me for telling you the truth. <laughs> the problem is this person has a lot of resources. Yeah. They know how to work the system and get all of their needs met. And the thing is, is one of the reasons why it's hard for you to leave. Is somehow this relationship nurtures you. I can't figure out if it's financial, emotional, in some ways, it's hard for you to stay emotion-wise. I'm not staying. I'm, I am divorcing him. I know, but who, who do you live with? I live alone. Do you have children? No. When was the last time you talked to him? Well, we don't really talk unless it's related to bills that need to be paid. Wait a minute. When did you file for divorce? Two years ago. Three or two? Two. And who makes more money, you or him? He does. And is our finances, you needing his money, making it harder for you to divorce him? No. Then why is the settlement, the settlement, meaning settled, fini, being held up? Because of the games that he's played and the ridiculous low offers that he's made. Low offers. What does he do for a living? He is an executive of a company. And what do you do? Um, right now I'm not working. Your problem is a third center. Self-esteem, responsibility. Narcissism is third chakra. It's a balance, it's hyperactive self-image and irresponsibility. They tend to marry people who have problems with self-image and unfortunately, the longer you're with them, the more likely your self-image is to go down. I look at your head. I see problems with melancholy, sadness, irritability that's made worse with estrogen and progesterone. I look at your neck. I look at your thyroid. I see a problem with TSH, T4, and T3. I look at your heart. I look at your left lung, right lung, left breast, right breast. 
I see frustration. Anger goes to your liver, excuse me, your adrenal gland. Your adrenal gland takes whatever body fat you do have, convert it via progesterone to excess cortisol and excess estrogen. The excess estrogen increases your chance toward having hormonally sensitive densities in your left chest wall, densities that tend to calcify. And then the cortisol goes to your immune system and increases your chance toward having chronic immune system activation, activation of viruses and bacteria that most people's bodies would be able to sequester. I see fatigue, dragonous, melancholy, sadness. As a result of that cortisol, overgrowth of bacteria in environments that they're not supposed to overgrow, whether it's in your digestive lining in your small intestine, your small, um, your small passages of your respiratory tract, and makes you feel foggy in your head, problems with initiation, motivation, and achiness where muscles attach to, te- muscles attach to tendons attached to joints. Can you please tell me your health concerns? That pretty much sums it up, depression and anxiety and stomach issues. I know you're not going to like this. The longer you wait for your life to begin, once you come to a settlement with him, the longer he's going to play tug-of-war with you. You know that, right? Yeah. And part of you feels that you'll start to go on with your life once you feel better. And you think that's dependent of having a radical narcissistectomy. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Yeah. I'll give you an example. This isn't true. But suppose you went to a doctor and they said, you had two years to live, not two months, not a year, but two years, okay? Mm-hmm. That's 24 months, and it starts now. How much of that time would you engage in struggling with a settlement with him? Zero. You understand that you've wasted two years because I know a lot of people, hold on one second, I'm not saying that what's happening is fair, right, or just. Please don't think that I'm saying that, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm simply saying I know some situations like this where it doesn't hurt him to dangle and play rope-a-dope with you. He doesn't care. His life goes on. He'll get a girlfriend. He has ample money. And he'll just pay a couple of bills with you and rope you along by giving you pittance because he knows that you'll just get tired and worn out or get, God forbid, sick. And I know that this happens. Because his life will go on and he'll get opiates and he'll get healthy. And you'll feel jerked around. Yes, that's true. And you put your life on hold 
you'll get less opiates, neurotransmitters, and your body will get sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker. And women like that get very ill. And then what happens for him or her, it's not always gender specific, is it's a waiting game. And they wait for you to die. I've seen this more often than I can tell you in readings. I've been doing readings for over 33 years now. Do you understand? Yes. Almost invariably, it's ovarian or breast cancer. It's always a reproductive organ. Second chakra's relationship. It's always struggling with money. It's a waiting game. Why should they get divorced? They can keep it all when you die. And right now, there's no impetus for him to settle. What is there? What would he gain from settling? I don't know. Maybe his girlfriend wants to get married. No, he doesn't want to get married. What if he's narcissistic? What does he care about his girlfriend? Did you get it? Yeah. He doesn't care. That helps him. Because the longer he's arguing with a divorce with you, he doesn't have to worry about another relationship failing, getting married again, her possibly wanting kids if she's pregnancy age, and then losing a shebang of money again. Right. So it would work for him to have you on the hook. Did you get it? Yep. So you're actually working for him. You're employed. Do you get it? Yep. Mind you, you don't get to go on with your life. And your brain and body get to be marinating in resentment, which, of course, will affect your body. Right. Do you get it? Yeah. You're 55. You know, in 1984, after six years of Brown, I graduated, and I wanted to make a victory lap. So I went out and visited some friends at Portland, Oregon. And I went running on a bridge, and I went running, and I had a seizure while on the bridge. And I got run over by a truck. Oh, my goodness. It's okay. It's, well, you'll hear. I wasn't on a crosswalk, and I was hit by a guy who didn't stop at the scene. That's illegal, right? Yes. He continued going. There was no skid marks. He hit me. I got a ticket, pedestrian hit vehicle, because there was no crosswalk. And I was ticketed $75. That wasn't right, right? Just wait. I got alcohol leveled. He didn't. Right? Right. And the cop yelled at me. I remember I was at the scene. Multiple fractures, four fractures of my pelvis, several broken ribs, a collapsed lung, and a shattered scalpula. Eleven days in the ICU. The point of the matter is, When I tried to get a lawyer because I had all these medical bills, he told me it was split injury because it was half my fault and half of his. And because it was in Oregon, I would have to get an Oregon lawyer, even though I lived in Maine. And he probably had a friend who was a policeman because they didn't cite him for leaving the scene or anything. Did you get it? Yep. I knew that if I stopped my life to litigate this, the healing I needed to do to move forward in my life, which was go on, do research, and go to medical school, would have been stopped. So I folded my hands like you do in poker and went out. And though it really affected my health, 
I went on with my life. And three years later, I went into medical school. Three years. Do you really want to spend these most productive years of your life, your youth, on this particular situation, waiting for a reasonable offer? You have no, you have no power. You, what you do, what state do you live in? California. Is it a 50-50 state? There is. So you get a, you get a lawyer, you get a kick-ass lawyer, and then you counter-sue them if they continue doing anything frivolous for legal fees, and then you cut your losses and you go on. And then you know that he has a higher power and you have a higher power and it ain't you or your lawyer. And you find out that guess what happens? Once this ends, something's going to happen to him because justice is a dish best served cold and served by another realm. Right. But it doesn't come in decimals and dollars. But you don't stop living or holding your breath for it. Life goes on. Do yep. you get it? I do. I get it. I'm not saying what's happening is fair, right, or just. I'm saying if you look at the amount of money you want, divide it by how many years you're willing to wait to get it, and ask yourself, is it worth it? Yep. And then take whatever money you get, divide it by three, and use one year to get training in a university. Because you are going to have an avocation calling a work. Do not think you should not work. You will not feel good and have pride in yourself unless you go out into the world and someone says, oh, my God, I'm going to give you this money for this. You're fabulous. Do you understand? Yes, I do. You have to do that. And that's half the problem here. Good luck. That will help your brain come alive. Okay? You take it Thank easy. Thank you. Thank you. Go to one last person here. So that is my story. And so what you need to know is that all of us can have heartbreak and heartache. And that if you stay in the tragedy and the trauma of the heartache, the signal between your right brain and what's broken in you will continue to stay broken. It will continue to snap. I don't know if you've ever remember records, but we used to have this record one of the Beatles albums. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was the White Album, but there was a skip on it. And it involved a crash. And and it was a sound of crash because the Beatles sound the Beatles songs have all these weird sound effects. And the thing is it used to skip and skip and skip and you'd hear the crash over and over and over. If you've had a trauma and get stuck in your heart, that's what Takatsubu cardiomyopathy is, octopus trap. The emotion, the shock goes down into your heart and it literally gets trapped in your heart. Back about, I don't know, 100 years ago, there was a psychologist called Karen Horney. I'm sure her name used to be probably pronounced Horney, but you know she had to change it because she probably got beat up in the playground. But... If you can't take your emotion, name it, and talk about it and release it, 
you swallow it and it goes into your body. It tra gets trapped like an octopus trap. And she said, if you can't talk about anger, you swallow it and it becomes depression. So yes, there can be a sudden shock like, oh my God, you're bankrupt. Or, oh my God, you just won the lottery. Or oh my God, somebody died. That shock goes in your heart. But usually it's the thought pattern that comes after it, which is, and I can't handle this. And I can't handle this. And I can't handle this. Like a skip in the record. It usually is set into motion because of some, some part of you that has a little brokenness from the past. There's some recording in your brain and body, an imperfection that made you realize and think that you can't handle a shock. You can't handle the tragedy. You can't handle the intense fear or violence because you don't have the skill. Get skills, get training to make you feel that you can master it. Like I was talking to the last person, getting education can help you feel that you can support yourself because otherwise you'll be trapped in an abusive relationship and they can continue beating on you. There are lots of nearby mental health places that can help you get out of an abusive relationship and help you get the vocational training funds so that you don't have to stay in that situation and continue to get victimized. In addition, you can learn how to stress-proof your brain and your body so that you are less shock-proof. Just like there are certain types of shoes that you wear that when you walk on the carpet, you get shock because electrostatic energy gives you a shock if you walk on a carpet. You can learn to wear rubber shoes so that you're shock resistant. You can also make your brain and body shock resistant. Mood stabilizers like DHA, 1,000 milligrams three times a day, things like passion flower and lemon balm that have GABA can help. Taking a baby aspirin, talk to your doctor about this, may make your blood less sticky, but learning how to do deep breathing exercises and mindfulness may be able to help your parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems be able to calm and buffer any extreme stress. However, one of the things that can actually help us all is to understand that in fact, Takayabu cardiomyopathy is a kind of stress that we carry in our body. And a lot of people who have problems with that kind of stress, they feel it's inescapable stress, meaning there's nothing I can do about it. Nothing I can do about it, so they try to escape. Whether it's blacking out or your body closing down or shutting down. It's a kind of walking away or evaporating in the face of tragedy. By stress-proofing 
exercising, strengthening your body, making you more resilient, you can stand up to adversity. All of us at one time or another, and many of us many times, have suffered the slings and arrows of life, which is what life's all about. We're going to lose people. People are going to make fun of us or humiliate us. And sometimes bullies will appear. However, we can strengthen our body, learn to stand tall, be mindful, have a tall posture, and have that rarefied, calm, and almost mystical air that we know that we have a connection to the divine and also with other people on earth that we can be safe and secure. You can do a lot of things to strengthen your heart, like coenzyme Q10, 400 to 600 milligrams a day can strengthen your heart. You can exercise aerobically once a day, every week, but ask your doctor if this is okay. You can do antioxidants like multiple vitamins, like B vitamins. You can do vitamin C and a host of others. But understand that avoiding stress, avoiding shock is not what life is all about. I'm writing a new book called Mystical Molecules. And in fact, tragedy trauma is part and parcel of what life on earth is about. That tragedy and trauma rewires our brain. That each time we suffer tragedy, it creates just a little bit of a crack in our shell between us and the heavens. A little crack and then a bigger crack through which we can get divine information. And many people, after more and more tragedy that occurs to them, they learn that, yes, they get more wisdom and understanding about how to solve life's problems. But they also learn that in the midst of despair, of a loss of a child, the loss of a relationship, a tragic relationship, they learn that somehow they can trust that divine messages come to them that can help guide them to safety. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and we've been talking about the broken heart syndrome. Thank you for welcoming me into your day. You've been listening to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. 
Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.